0: Welcome to the Impact Hour on Money 105.5, where you live with passion, make a difference, and come alive. This show is about you, your life, your impact, and your legacy. Now your hosts, John and Rena.
1: Hey, welcome to the Impact Hour. I'm John. And today, because it's Halloween today, we're going to talk about fear. Today's episode, I'm titling it, Scary. So fear can be pretty debilitating. It can stop us in our tracks. It can make us flee. Uh, It can make us uh, just get ready to fight, get ready to advance and to attack. Fear can do a lot. Fear can be also pretty healthy. So today we're going to talk a little bit about what is the difference between healthy fear and what is maybe not so healthy fear. Fear sometimes is a warning of danger, and I think that's a part of healthy fear. That's the kind of fear where maybe we're afraid of heights and we're sitting on the edge of a ledge pretty high up. I think in that case, it's pretty reasonable to be experiencing some fear. It's warning us, hey, there's something, something bad could happen if we're not watching out. So that's a kind of a healthy fear other times fear is just a reaction where there's no danger at all. So today we're going to talk about our fears, what we do with fear, how to manage fear, and how to manage its influence on our life. So we're just going to explore this concept of fear and what to do when we're scared. So I'll start out here and just talk about what is fear. It might seem pretty obvious But uh, sometimes we sit down and you ask somebody, well, what is fear? And like, well, it's when you're scared. Well, what is that? Well, it's when I have some fear. Well, what is that? Well, I don't know. (laughs) So today I'm just going to dive in and and kind of uh, also explain what, what is fear. So just like any emotion, it's experienced in the mind and in the body. So fear can include increased stress hormones in the body Getting us ready for that fight or flight type of reaction. It's increased heart rate. It's shallow, fast breathing. Sometimes I experience shaking hands. Uh, That's part of the hormones, it's the adrenaline in my system. You know, my hands start to shake a little bit. And we're getting ready for fight or flight. Or if you're like me, maybe you like to freeze. And it's also in the mind there's a sense of dread or some perception of danger, and you combine all of that together, you have what you call a fear response. Now one thing that's kind of interesting is the response in our body for fear sometimes can look the same as excitement. So sometimes the only difference has to do with what's going on in our mind. The body's still doing the same thing, increased heart rate, shallow breathing, we're getting ready to, to board the roller coaster or whatever, and we are excited, and the only difference between that and fear is what's going on in our mind and how we're interpreting the, uh, the sensations that we are experiencing. So that's, that's a lot of what fear is, and so it's a combination of what's going on in our mind and what is going on in our body. Some fear is healthy. Like I've mentioned before, so we have you know fear of heights, for example. Um, you know we have a fear that we could be injured, or or you know if it's high enough we could die if we fall off the edge. That's kind of a healthy fear. That's a fear where where it's warning us about something that might happen that we should take precautions for. And a lot of fear. A good amount of fear is that kind of fear. It's a healthy fear. It's a fear that we need to be careful about something. And that fear is meant to keep us safe. So that's a natural response that's built in. Things, things happen. We perceive a danger, and we become afraid that that danger could become reality. And a lot of that fear is a good thing. But some fear is unhealthy. So, like Zig Ziglar says, you know, fear, you can, some of it is false evidence appearing real. So, we perceive things going on. We have this fear of something happening, some danger that we are imagining, and it's all just in our imaginations. The chance of it happening might be quite low, or maybe the chances not at all, but we're still experiencing this fear of this outcome that is not likely to happen at all. And we're just imagining the whole thing. Fear can be pretty debilitating and it can, can hinder, it can have negative effects on our health. So too much fear, constant fear can release stress hormones in our body. And that, that over time can have negative consequences to our health. So, for instance, you know, we're having all constant fear from constant deadlines, say, at work. And so we have these deadlines, we have this anxiety, raises up fear that we won't meet the deadline, and we work pretty hard in this state of anxiety, hoping we make the, make the deadline and not quite sure and afraid that we might not. And if that's pretty constant, uh, that can have some severe effects on health. So too much stress hormones uh, has been linked to heart disease, diabetes, depression, anxiety, and more. So that kind of state of fear is not healthy, it's not good, and we need to learn how to manage that kind of fear. That kind of fear is not helpful, and that's where fear is being put in a situation where it really wasn't meant to be used in that way or applied that way. You know, originally, I think fear was meant so, you know, if there's a bear coming, we have a fear response, and now we're ready to, to either, you know, get ready to defend ourselves against the bear or get the heck out of there as fast as we can. And that is supposed to be helpful. Help us either defend or flee that bear in that moment. It's not really meant to be a chronic type of anxiety over long periods of time. That's not what, what our body's meant to handle So oftentimes, our fear of what might happen uh, keeps us from living life to the full. And that's a kind of unhealthy fear as well. And So that's a kind of fear where maybe we have a dream. We want to write a book. We want to start that business. We want to start a nonprofit. We want to share our story with somebody. Maybe we want to perform on stage. Maybe we want to start uh, engaging with mentoring and have mentors and mentorees in our life. And then maybe we start to engage with that and then we get afraid. Get afraid that we're not enough or not good enough or whatever we're afraid of. It comes up and that kind of fear can prevent us from engaging in the things that we really want to engage in in our life. It holds us back and it limits us. So a lot of times when we expand our life, when we want to expand our sphere of influence, we want to stretch ourselves, do something we've never done before, a lot of times that involves some level of anxiety or fear. And if we let that fear control us, uh, that can hold us back and keep us from doing the things that we want to do. And learning to expand our life, then a lot of it, is about learning how to manage our fears. And these are not the healthy kind of fears that are good for us. These are the kind of fears where we're afraid something might happen and our fear of it is way bigger than it actually happening. So if there's things you've always wanted to pursue but haven't because of fear, then that's an unhealthy fear. One thing I've learned There's this phrase about living fearless, where you see those bumper stickers, no fear. On those stickers or that saying, it kind of implies that we should live without fear at all. But my experience is quite the opposite. And I'll talk more about that right after this break.
0: If you want a life rich in meaning, if you want to make a difference, join John and Rena for The Impact Hour every Wednesday afternoon at 2 on Money 1055. Learn how to increase your life's impact. Unlock your potential and live with passion. It's all new. The Impact Hour with your hosts, John and Rena. Share your stories and become part of the journey. Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Money 1055. Find John and Rena on Facebook at The Impact Hour
2: meaning significance satisfaction connection you can have it all learn how on the impact hour wednesdays at 2 p.m on money 105.5 move through your world touching lives and experiencing a deep sense of connection and meaning listen to the impact hour wednesdays at 2 p.m on money 105.5 your impact matters you matter did you miss a show check out past shows at theimpacthour.com
0: You're listening to The Impact Hour on Money 105.5. Know your impact. Make it great.
1: Hey, welcome back. I'm John, your host today of The Impact Hour. If, uh, if you like this show today and you'd like to catch up on some of our past episodes, our past shows, you can go find those online. You can find them on theimpacthour.com. And on that website, it'll tell you how to, if you'd like, to take us along with you as in your favorite podcast player. So if you'd like to to play it in iTunes or Google Player, Google Podcasting, or any of your other favorite podcasts, all the instructions are right there. Uh, You can take us with you and listen to us on the road or wherever you want to. So today we're talking about fear. Today's episode is titled Scary. And it's about what we do with our fear. So there's this phrase out there, this concept of fearless Being Fearless, or that bumper sticker, No Fear. And it actually, I think, says the opposite of what's actually happening. It's certainly the opposite of my experience in my life, where if I lived with no fear, if I really didn't want to have any fear whatsoever at all, I would stay at home and stay in my room, and I wouldn't come out, and I wouldn't talk to anyone, and I would close myself off, and then I wouldn't experience very much fear. I wouldn't be out there doing very much, uh, all in the name of experiencing no fear whatsoever at all. But really the concept of being fearless has more to do with not letting our fears control us than it has to do with not actually experiencing the fear. So a person living a life, you would say, man, this person's being fearless or they're living a fearless life probably that person is experiencing anxiety fairly often as they face their fears and do things that would normally be pretty scary. And they are doing those despite the fears. And for some folks, maybe even because of them, if it's uh, one of those kind of uh, you know run into fear, run into danger kind of people. But uh, for most of those folks, they're experiencing fear fairly frequently, but they're not letting it control them. And so if we really want to live a full life, if we want to get out there, do the things that we want to do, pursue the things that we want to pursue, and make a difference in the world the way we want to make a difference, most of that is going to involve some anxiety and fear. It just is. And that anxiety or fear is not a bad thing. It just is. And I know some folks, you know, take a religious stance and say, I'm not supposed to be experiencing fear. I'm supposed to be trusting. And while that's true, I think a part of learning to trust is to step out in the unknown and to experience some anxiety and learn that there, that this divine out there is trustworthy anyways. That's how we take that journey. Not avoid anything that could cause fear, but to learn to trust even though we might be experiencing some of it. So when you want to live a fearless life, you get to experience some fear. And I think that's a healthy thing. It's healthy to face our fears. It's a part of our learning and our growing process. Um, it's just a part of, of learning to get out there. If we, try, if we change anything in our life, that change oftentimes will involve some uncertainty. And change can be good and exciting. Like I mentioned before, the feeling of excitement and the feeling of fear can be very similar. And so maybe it's good to have some healthy fear and healthy excitement in our lives and try some new things and expand our horizons and try some new things. So there's different kinds of fear. And we want, I want to talk a little bit about where our fears come from. Why do we experience fear? What's going on? So there's the, the normal healthy fear of there's a danger out there, and that's a good normal thing to pay attention to and to you know, watch out for falling off the cliff or whatever it is. Uh, but there are fears out there that we learn from past experience. It's a kind of conditioning. And... We learn at an early age to be afraid of certain responses, of certain outcomes in life, and we learn that if we say this, or if we do this, or this person starts to react this way or that way, then it could be bad, and this thing could happen, and we start to have some fear around it. It could be fears that we've learned from classroom experiences growing up. Maybe we were called to give an answer on the the chalkboard or the whiteboard, and we gave the wrong answer, and we were ridiculed, and now we're afraid of speaking up. A lot of these fears that we have come from a type of conditioning that's occurred, and now we're afraid of things, even though there's no real danger going on at all. We just have this built-in fear response. And there's a, there's a study that was done quite a while ago to explain this and to highlight it and show that this is a real thing. The study was fairly unethical. Uh, they wouldn't certainly allow it these days. Uh, but this, uh, this psychologist, uh, John B. Watson, did an experiment, and it's called the Little Albert Experiment. And maybe you've heard of Little Albert before. So they had Little Albert, and uh, I think he was about nine months old. And they would bring out, you know, Furry, furry rats and furry bunnies. And um, I'm not sure everything they brought out might be like furry stuffed animals, different things. Then they brought them out. And little Albert didn't react to those things hardly at all. Kind of looked at them and no big deal. And, well, that's kind of interesting. And kept playing and kept whatever. Uh, but then they would bring out, they started with the rat. And they brought the rat out. And as soon as the rat came out, uh, this, uh, this uh, psychologist would bring out, uh, I think it was a rod, steel bar with a hammer, and blam on it really loud. Imagine, you know, silver spoon and a pot. Blam, 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 blam. And they would do that until little Albert would start to cry. And so they would take the rat away and bring the rat out again some other day and do the same thing over again. And over time, all they had to do was bring out the rat and Albert would start to cry and start to try to crawl away from it. He was afraid of the rat. Even though before, he was not afraid of the rat, but he was conditioned to be afraid. Now they did some additional uh, things with that same experiment. They had the bunny, and they had other furry things, and it got to where Albert was afraid of anything furry, even a fur coat. So Albert was conditioned to be afraid of fur coats, of stuffed animals, of bunnies. Now some people think well a rat makes sense. I'm afraid of rats, but certainly not afraid of fur coats or bunnies. But little Albert was conditioned to be afraid of those things. Now certainly wouldn't wouldn't condone an experiment like that today. That's not great. But that really does highlight that that we as humans can be conditioned to experience fear and probably be conditioned to do other things, experience other kinds of emotions um, based on a conditioning, a stimulus, and an association that takes place. Association of this, this thing creates this response, which creates this fear in me or creates this, you know, this expectation of some, something happening, in this case, loud noises. It's very much like Pavlov's dogs. Pavlov had his dogs, and every time he went to feed them, he rang a bell. And he'd ring the bell and feed the dogs, and over time, when he rang the bell, the dogs would salivate, even when there wasn't any food. The dogs were conditioned to salivate at the sound of a bell. Now, I don't know if that would work for people. I don't, which wouldn't suggest that either. <laughs> it's probably not a very ethical study to do either. Uh, but we can be conditioned, and we can be conditioned... You know, when we're growing up in our homes, we can be conditioned to, uh, you know, for me, uh, one of the things, and I'm probably sure it wasn't ever intended, but for me, uh, whenever my dad was angry, it often was associated with discipline. And so now whenever I see somebody angry, it's hard to hear that because I associate that with discipline. And discipline back then was not great, was uh, not something I wanted. So now it's kind of hard for me to interact with people who are angry. It's like, whoa, you know, I did something wrong. And now I start to blame myself. And that's a kind of conditioning that takes place. And that would be a kind of fear that I might have. Somebody gets angry and now I'm afraid. I'm afraid it means I did something wrong and now I might be punished. So that's the kind of thing that can happen. And I think this is a thing that happens for just about everybody to some degree or another about something or other, even if it's not always related to fear. But that is kind of where a lot of our fear comes from. It comes from this conditioning, at least the unhealthy fears that we have. And maybe once upon a time, those fears made sense. It made sense to have those built-in responses. That was a way of protecting ourselves in that situation. But now we're not in that situation anymore. and Now we still carry these fears and these responses, and it's not as healthy as perhaps maybe it once was. Another example of this, uh, when I was growing up, there was uh, kind of on our same street, there was another family, uh, and we, we liked their kids, uh, me and my sister, we played with their kids, and uh, we were pretty good friends. And uh, the, the boy and that family, uh, when his dad was upset at him, at least for a period of time, uh, the dad might not be super angry, but, you know, disappointed or whatever, would just whap him on the head. And over time, you know, the dad would get kind of upset, and the kid would start raising his arms to protect his head. It's like, uh-oh, I'm going to get whapped. And after a while, the dad said, wait, this is not good. <laughs> Probably a good thing to notice. You know, I don't know. I don't want my kid, you know, protecting his head every time somebody's upset with him. That's not great. And that's another example of Conditioning. Conditioning happens a lot of different ways. One thing that's related to being conditioned to be afraid is this thing called learned helplessness. Learned helplessness happens in animals, and I think it happens in people as well. And we learn that uh, we can't change our situation. We can't, you know, get away. We can't, we're not in control of our situation. And that's something that we learn, but it's not true the helplessness is not true. We learn a lie. And there's lots of examples of learned helplessness. And so I think one of the early ones, they did uh, some study on circus elephants. And uh, I don't think this was any new to to circus folks and circus performers, but uh, when psychologists were looking at it, it was kind of a new idea to them where they would take a baby elephant and they would attach uh, a kind of a clasp or whatever to its leg and attach it to a tree or to something like that. And the baby elephant would learn that it can't get away as long as it was attached to this little leg harness thing that it would have on. And over time would just learn it's not possible to get away. And then as an adult, they can attach the harness and then attach the other end and just put a little ring around a small peg in the ground. And they don't even have to securely hold the elephant in place. It believes it cannot get away it has learned, learned helplessness. It believes it can't get away and it must do whatever the master wants it to do and it has no choice in the matter. And maybe, maybe that's reaching a bit too far. Probably don't know totally what's going on in the psyche of elephants. Uh, But the idea is that the elephants certainly don't try to get away even though they're not really held in place very tightly at all. And as an adult elephant, if they wanted to get away, they could get away very easily but they believe that they can't. I've also done similar studies with sharks in a tank. So they had these sharks, and the tank was split in half. So in one half, there were these smaller fish, fish the sharks would normally eat, and the shark would go to get the other fish, but there would be a barrier in the half of the tank, and the shark would bump up against the glass in the middle of the tank and bruise its nose time and time again until the shark just gave up and decided it can't get through the glass. It's painful anyways and after a while they could take the glass out and the other fish could even swim throughout the tank and the sharks wouldn't even try to eat them. It had learned helplessness. A part of that is also in social settings where things that we learn can be passed on and uh, there was a study done with monkeys and they put a bunch of bananas on the top of a pole. And uh, every time a monkey would go up and try to climb the pole to get the bananas, uh, some of the, the caretakers would hose it down with a fire hose. And after a while, the monkeys would stop approaching the bananas. But the story goes on, and I'll tell you more about it right after this break.
3: New York Attorney General Barbara Underwood is reportedly investigating the proposed merger of Sprint and T-Mobile. According to the New York Post, Underwood is concerned that low-income consumers who use the two companies' prepaid services would face higher prices if the merger goes through. In its annual report on housing trends, the National Association of Realtors says the percentage of homes going to first-time homebuyers continues to fall. The realtors also say rising student loan debt is keeping more young people out of the housing market. Sam's Club is opening its first store without cashiers in Dallas. The store, called Sam's Club now, will rely on scan-and-go technology and a new app that enables customers to pay for items on their phones instead of having them scanned by a cashier, a concept pioneered by Amazon. I'm Mark Huffman. Review the Consumer Affairs Daily Brief At Amazon.com today, the American dream is about to be your reality. From first downs to touchdowns, Scott breaks down the mortgage process and brings in top performers in the financial industry. Listen every Thursday at 11 with your host Scott Rojo of Premier Lending, and get your weekly highlights and play-by-plays of the mortgage and real estate game. Find out what you need to know every Thursday on the Mortgage Hour with Scott Rojo. Scott Rojo, branch manager, mortgage planner in MLS 352874 website premierlendinginc.com
0: have you secured your family's financial future are you approaching your own retirement and seeking relief from those unexpected financial burdens like long-term care why not leave your legacy to the next generation instead you can count on family heritage group to help you prepare for your future your way Remember, knowledge is power. So call Ed Outland's Family Heritage Group today at 967-3500, 967-3500, for a free life-changing consultation. Family Heritage Group, your solution to bridging the generations. This is Hugh Hewitt for townhall.com. Rick Scott has been a great governor for Florida. He will be a great senator for the Sunshine State and deserves support over the nearly invisible incumbent Bill Nelson. Kevin Kramer, congressman from North Dakota, has been a stalwart for farmers and energy producers. And he deserves support against incumbent Democrat Heidi Heitkamp, who's a sure vote to put Chuck Schumer in charge of the United States Senate with all that that means for the country. Josh Hawley in Missouri and Patrick Morrissey in West Virginia are also running against Democratic incumbents in Missouri and West Virginia, respectively. Claire McCaskill and Joe Manchin. Missouri voters need to put Hawley in D.C., and West Virginia voters ought to send Morrissey to the Capitol. Both have been excellent attorney generals of their states. To summarize, we need Scott, Kramer, Hawley, and Morrissey in the Senate. The Pepperdine
3: Graduate School of Public Policy. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu.
0: This is Michael Medved. i here with Mike Stahl from Health Markets, helping folks find the right Medicare coverage. The news reports say that the rates might be going down.
2: The cost of
1: many Medicare plans are decreasing this year. So you have to ask yourself, are you getting the best rate? Health Markets offers a free service with access to thousands of Medicare plans, plans
2: that can eliminate your out-of-pocket costs, plans with $0 premiums, and even plans that pay you back.
0: What is it people need to keep in mind?
2: With so many new options, it can be confusing. You can get objective help to find a plan that may cost less and cover more. With lower co-pays, more choices like dental, vision, and prescription drug coverage, and the freedom to see the doctors you choose. Don't miss out on savings you deserve. Our Health Markets
1: Medicare assistance is free.
0: Thanks, Mike. This is Michael Medved for Health Markets. Find out if you can get a Medicare plan that pays you back. Call 800-735-8803. That's 800-735-8803. 800-735-8803.
2: Meaning, significance, satisfaction, connection. You can have it all. Learn how on the Impact Hour, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. on Money 105.5 move through your world, touching lives and experiencing a deep sense of connection and meaning. Listen to The Impact Hour, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. on Money 105.5. Your impact matters. You matter. Did you miss a show? Check out past shows at theimpacthour.com.
0: If you want a life rich in meaning, if you want to make a difference, join John and Rena for The Impact Hour every Wednesday afternoon at 2 on Money 1055. Learn how to increase your life's impact. Unlock your potential and live with passion. It's all new. The Impact Hour with your hosts, John and Rena. Share your stories and become part of the journey. Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Money 1055. Find John and Rena on Facebook at The Impact Hour. You're listening to the Impact Hour on Money 105.5. Know your impact. Make it great.
1: Hey, welcome back. Today's show is titled "Scary," kind of apropos for the day. So, just before the break, I was talking about how a lot of times we are conditioned to be afraid of certain responses, and uh, that fear can be passed on even if we don't haven't actually experienced the event. The original event that created the original fear in the original person it can be passed on socially. So as I was sharing before the break, there was a study done with some monkeys and some bananas. And monkeys, as the story goes, like bananas. And it seems like they certainly do like them. Maybe maybe not their favorite fruit or their favorite food, but they do like them. And they put some bananas on the top of a pole. And the monks, occasionally a monkey would go up, climb the pole, and try to get the bananas. And the caretakers would hose the monkey down with a fire hose. Just blast that monkey. And several others would try as well. And pretty soon the monkeys learned that the bananas could not be grabbed. They had this sort of learned helplessness. And maybe even a fear of being blasted by this water, which would be pretty unpleasant. And so they stopped going and getting the bananas. And that seems pretty straightforward. But it doesn't end there. Over time, they introduced some new monkeys into this area where the bananas were and removed. So they introduced new monkeys and removed some of the existing ones. And so when new monkeys tried to get the bananas climb by climbing the pole, some of the other monkeys that had been blasted would pull the monkey down, letting him know, you know, you can't get the monkey or you can't get the bananas And uh, I don't know if they would have enough language to let them know what could happen, but let them know that, hey, this this is not okay. We don't get these bananas around here. It's scary. Don't get those things. And after a while of introducing new monkeys and removing the other ones that were there originally, after a while there were no more original monkeys. All the monkeys in there had never experienced being blasted by the water, and yet none of them ever went up to get the bananas. They were socially conditioned to not get those bananas. I think that has a lot of implications for us today. Not that we're all monkeys, but that socially we can be conditioned to avoid certain things and to behave certain ways as well. And so I know uh, when Marina and I were starting a business, uh, we had a lot of feedback from folks encouraging us to not do that. All the facts of, oh, you know, four out of five businesses fail and all this stuff came out, and it was very difficult to start a business in the midst of all of that uh, negative advice and all of this, you know, suggesting we do something else and all of that. And so there can be a lot of social pressures, and I think those social pressures can introduce fears in us as well. And so the fears don't just come from direct experience, but they can come in from other people. You know, if you do that, you'll get hurt, might be the message that we get. And then we start to fear. I mean, my man, if I try this, I might get hurt. And now we've got this fear we have to manage. So the fears can hold us back. And uh, a lot of times it's what's in us that holds us and keeps us from doing the things that we really desire, the things that we really value. And a lot of those things are fear. Turns out procrastination isn't just putting things off. Most of the times... Procrastination actually is an indicator. It's information that there's something maybe we have some fears or anxiety about. That if we do this thing, something might happen that we're afraid of. And maybe that might not even be conscious things that we're afraid of. But uh, that's an example of how our fears can hold us back. A lot of times that shows up as procrastination and we think, oh, I'm just procrastinating today, when in fact, we're inside, we're actually wrestling with our fears. So finally, I wanna talk just a little bit about what we do about fear. What can you do about it? Can we just, you know, experience the fear and let it control our life? Should we just react to the fear and just, you know, lash out at people or whatever it is uh, that we would be inclined to do? And uh, I don't know if those are, are necessarily great things, and so I have some, some tips on what to do about fear. And by the way, just, just to be clear, fear can, be, can look a lot of different ways. Uh, we can have a fear of rejection, a fear of ridicule, fear of judgment, fear of criticism, a fear of being left alone. And we can have a fear of physical harm, which might be healthy fear, or fear of loss of life or limb. We can have all kinds of fears, and that all can arise from experiences that we've had and social messages that we've received uh, from those that we, we hang out with. So what to do about fear? Sometimes the fear feels dangerous, but it's really not. So we're talking about there's not an actual danger here so we're not talking about the fears of that have actual real danger attached to them. If you have those kinds of fears, the best way to react is to mitigate the danger. And uh, those fears, um, even if it's not necessarily a real fear, but there's something that you can do to lessen the outcome that we're afraid of. I think that's a good thing to pay attention to. And I know some folks would say, oh, you need to think positive, you know, don't, don't be dwelling on those negative fears. Uh, and, and some people might even say you'll, you'll bring it about if you think about all of those things. Uh, but my, my thoughts are that uh, it's, it's healthy to pay attention to those kinds of fears. And if there's something meaningful we can do to mitigate the outcome that we are afraid of, then it's good to pay a little bit of attention to that. And so we can honor the fear without wallowing in it. By wallowing in it, that would mean we spend all day long being afraid of this possible outcome. And that's not great. But if you want to take a little bit of time, you know, maybe we're afraid of being late for our plane ride. So we're about to catch a flight somewhere and we're afraid of being late. Well, maybe it would make sense to leave a little earlier and just take care of it and not worry about that. There wouldn't be any harm in that. And there can be other fears, too, where we can do some things to mitigate what we're afraid of and honor it, take care of it, and then move on. And I think that's a good thing. There are other kinds of fears where there's actually no real danger and there's really not a whole lot we can do about it because maybe it's important for us to continue forward. Maybe we really do wanna write that book. We really do wanna start that business. And so just backing off from those is not a great option. So what do we do about the fear in those cases? So one of the things that can be done is change your physical state. That's where you can take some deep breaths That can change your physical state, change the physiology of what's going on in in the neurons in your brain. Take some deep breaths. It could include getting moving, go out for a walk, go running, get some exercise in there, change your physical state, oftentimes will change your level of anxiety. Next thing you can do is you can do some self-reflection, especially if The fear and the anxiety is coming from something in a relationship where maybe someone has done or said something, and now we're afraid of some kind of reprisal. There's just something not going great in the relationship or wanting to lash out in anger, but really what's underneath it is some kind of hurt or fear. In that scenario, in that case, you can do some self reflection. What did you just see? What just actually happened? What are the facts? And what is it that you're actually feeling? It could be a layer of emotions. It could be fear and anger and hurt all rolled in together on top of each other. But what are you actually feeling? What really is there? And what do you believe? And I'm going to talk more about this right after this break.
0: If you want a life rich in meaning, if you want to make a difference, join John and Rena for The Impact Hour every Wednesday afternoon at 2 on Money 1055. Learn how to increase your life's impact. Unlock your potential and live with passion. It's all new. The Impact Hour with your hosts, John and Rena. Share your stories and become part of the journey. Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Money 1055. Find John and Rena on Facebook at The Impact Hour
2: meaning significance satisfaction connection you can have it all learn how on the impact hour wednesdays at 2 p.m on money 105.5 move through your world touching lives and experiencing a deep sense of connection and meaning listen to the impact hour wednesdays at 2 p.m on money 105.5 your impact matters you matter did you miss a show check out past shows at theimpacthour.com
0: You're listening to The Impact Hour on Money 105.5. Know your impact. Make it great.
1: Hey, welcome back to The Impact Hour. I'm your host, John. Today, we're talking about our fears. Today's show is titled, Scary. So, if you're wanting to do more in your life, wanting to have a bigger imprint in the world, a bigger impact, you're wanting to make a difference... And you're coming to realize that what's limiting that is not something out there, but probably is something going on inside of you, and you'd like some help addressing that. I'd love to be able to help. So you can give me a call at 916-783-2622. Leave a message, kind of share what's going on. We'll connect, and we'll see what makes sense for next steps and see how I can support you in your journey to achieve your success, whatever that looks like for you. So just before the break, we were talking about what to do about fear. I was talking about uh, kind of reflecting what is going on. Sometimes it's useful to look and see what is actually happening uh, in the midst of our experience, self-reflection. So it's a number, a series of questions. What did I just see? What is objectively happening or what just actually happened? So rather than making up a story around what's happening and why, but what is just the facts of what happened. Next question is, what do I feel? What sort of emotions are actually coming up? And then you can say, well, what do I believe? What do I believe might have, uh, might be about, you know, what sort of meaning are you ascribing to the situation? A lot of times that has to do with, you know, why you think somebody did or said something, what motivations are driving them. Usually that is an assumption. But what are you making it mean? And is that true? Another thing you can do about what do I believe and kind of combine that with what do I feel is to ask yourself, when did I feel this? What is my earliest memory of feeling this? When did I first feel like this? And perhaps what is happening is you bringing in some sort of past experience into the present situation. And you know, maybe, you know, your buddy said or did something, but really what's going on is suddenly now you're, you're thinking about your third grade teacher who did, you know, whatever it was in class and ridiculed you in front of your peers or whatever. And that's what's really being brought into the situation. You're reacting more to that third grade teacher than you are to your buddy. And that's useful information. It's useful to find out, where did that come from? Oh, this is one of my push buttons. Okay, this is not actually going on right now, so now I can respond differently in this situation. And then the fourth thing in the self-reflection is the question, what can I do? So what can you do is is a wide-open question. It's not a this or that type of uh, answer that comes up with that. What are some things that you can do? And uh, maybe... You know, if it's your third-grade teacher being brought into the current situation, uh, maybe you can learn some, uh, some ways of getting yourself out of that state. You can uh, issue some affirmations to yourself that counters the messages you received from your third-grade teacher or that situation with third-grade teacher. Um, there's some things that you can do about that. And there's some things you can do in the present situation. You can perhaps apologize. Oh, I'm sorry. I just was reacting to something else. That was my third grade teacher. I'm sorry I responded that way or, or whatever makes sense. It's a way to, to change that dynamic. And in the self-reflection, usually there's a pattern that goes, uh, at least that I find for myself, it's uh, recognizing that I just reacted a way I didn't want to react after it's all said and done maybe a few days ago. Like, oh, man, now I'm recognizing I said or did this thing out of just reaction, uh, and now, now I'm finally realizing it and the deed's already been done, and it was last week or several days ago. And then it gets to where I can start to recognize it in the moment. I see it happening. I don't yet have control over it, but it's like, oh, now I don't want to. Oh, man, why did I do this, say that? And it comes right out, and I'm recognizing it in the moment. And then I can you know, fic- fix it in the moment. And then the next stage is I start to recognize it before it happens, and I sometimes get a chance to actually change my response. And then after a while of doing that, then my patterns change, and and I don't have that issue around that particular belief or that trigger point or that button anymore. But it takes a while. It's a whole process. Another thing you can do about fear is to get grounded and rooted in your own self-value. If your fear is around, uh, which just often does, it's uh, around a loss of love, acceptance, admiration and respect, you can get grounded and know your value from the inside, deeply that you know that you know that you're loved, regardless of what this person says or does. And for me, that would involve God. So I would want to ground myself in deep knowing that I'm loved by God no matter what. And that gets to where I mentally believe it, but then it gets into my spirit where I know it deeply in me and whatever someone says or does isn't affecting me anymore because I just know that I'm good and I'm okay and I'm loved and I'm respected, even if this person may not. That can also include affirmations, and you can give yourself a message of love with self-care. So you give the message that you love you even if you're not sure anybody else does. And then probably it's not true that nobody else does, but it might be a feeling that you might be having. Now the thing about fear, thing you can do about that is to confront the fear directly. Create reference experiences where what you're afraid of is not happening like you thought it might. So if you wanted to say do more public speaking maybe you wanted to share your story practice giving talks if you wanted to write and write a book well practice writing and publishing your works on some sort of blog or something if you wanted to become a teacher of sorts maybe in in the public school system or maybe not then practice teaching practice what it is that you're afraid You know, where if you do that thing, you're afraid something might happen. You might lose respect or love. You might be ridiculed and just practice doing that and create reference experiences where you find out that whatever you are afraid of actually didn't happen and it works out just fine. And it's a way of lessening the fear around it. And when I first started doing uh, teaching, I'm I'm an instructor. I teach adults and my, my first few classes were pretty rough, pretty scary. I was afraid I'd make a fool of myself in front of the class. And then after a while, it got more and more comfortable. And now when I get in front of a class, I don't hardly experience any fear at all anymore. I've had a lot of of practice at it. And I've learned that whatever I'm afraid of just isn't plain going to happen. So I'm no longer afraid of that. Another thing that can help with our fear is to realize that whatever we're striving for doesn't have to look a certain way. So we might have a fear of failure, but we we realize that it doesn't have to look a certain way, it doesn't have to look this way necessarily, and if I don't make it look that way, it doesn't mean it failed. It just means that that particular method perhaps didn't work, or that option wasn't really open like I thought, and I get to do something different related to it, and I get to keep working on whatever I wanted in some form or another, and I don't have to be afraid of failure. I can choose to stop something, but that doesn't actually mean that I failed at it. So that can help with fears as well. Now, some folks suggest that one way to deal with fear is to, what they say, the phrase I've heard is, you raise your intention to get what you want and make it so that your fear uh, of not doing what you want is greater than your fear of doing it. So examples would be like putting money on it so that if you don't do what you said you did, then you would give money to somebody, you know, the political party you hate or whatever. And uh, I find that when I've tried things like that, it actually made my fear worse because I'm pushing on it even harder. So the, the way I like to look at it instead is uh, a lot of times our fears are conditioned and learned when we were kids. A lot of times we go around the world, we, we kind of, it almost feels like we're an eight-year-old in an adult body. And in a sense, that's, that's our kid. We were conditioned as an eight-year-old uh, to respond to people a certain way and to be afraid of things. And so in a sense, it's kind of like we have an inner child. And I know some people do inner child work. Uh, I think in this case, it makes a lot of sense to see that the person in us that's afraid is our kid, it's our little boy, it's our little girl, and that's who's afraid. And if we treat that little boy or that little girl like we would any small young person with love and compassion and reassurance, then that is, in my opinion, much kinder than just pushing on it really hard and say we're gonna do this anyways even though you are scared. I find for me, my little kid inside of me digs his heels in even harder and says, no, you can't make me, no, 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 I'm not doing that, and it makes it even harder for me to go forward. If for you, if you put money down and that makes it work for you, then great. Uh, But if that's not working for you, kind of see that there's a young person in you that's the one experiencing the fear, and reassure that person and comfort them and let them know that you'll be there with them, and it's going to be all right. So that's the show today on FEAR. And we hope you get to manage your fear and live with passion and experience lots of success and make a huge impact in the world. Thanks for listening.
0: Some bacon burgers or roasting a prime rib Roseville Meats is your best source for USDA prime and choice grade beef Pork, poultry, exotic meats and more With over 75 different marinated items Roseville Meats
1: is your source for a start Of a great meal. At 700 Atlantic Street in Roseville, check us out at RosevilleMeats.com Roseville
0: Meat
3: Company, fire up The grill, come out of jail fashion meat market Fire up the grill coach, fire up The grill